Hello, and welcome to another mini-sode of Movies We Day, the podcast about films, antiquity, and everything in between. I'm Christy Vogler, and today we are sadly short my co-host Hannah Bazinaugh. Don't worry, she'll be back. And I quote, I won't leave them like my mom left me, end quote. I know. I was so, I told Hannah, it's like, I don't know if I can say that in the no-nonsense tone that you can pull off most of the time, but I did it. Luckily, we are joined by another former student of mine and our special guest, Laura Porto. Welcome, Laura. Huzzah! You get the huzzah today, so. Yay! Yay! So today we're focusing on episode eight, the final one of season one of Disney's Percy Jackson and the Olympians, a show adapted from Rick Gordon's 2005 book, The Lightning Thief. We're finally coming to an end of the series, at least until Disney decides to turn it in to its next big Marvel project, because boy, is it right for the picking for that. Like usual, we'll be conducting a shovel test of the series by giving a brief overview of the episode, providing some information on the ancient sources from Rich Rorden Drew to tell these stories, and then we'll be sitting down with the entire MWD crew to discuss the series in its entirety. But uh, before we get into this particular episode, Laura, can you tell us a bit about who you are and your personal history with the Percy Jackson world? Well, I'm a history major, which is perfect. Um, yes. For this. <laughs> and um, I'd probably say it started sixth grade, I think, is when I read the first book. I don't think I finished the series until probably the end of eighth grade, just because I probably read five or six books at once. So mm-hmm. it took me a while to get through five books. Um, but that's probably where it started. And then, of course, I was super pumped about the movie and then a little bit disappointed with the movie. Then I fell off it for a bit, and now my boyfriend has all five Percy Jackson books. So nice. I've read, I've read those again. So nice. he gave me the last one to kind of like refresh my memory over winter break, because um, he he wants me to be on his level, you know. Because mm-hmm. he he actually is who I consulted about this. I was like, I know mm-hmm. you haven't watched the series yet, but I think you should just so I can tell you everything all my opinions about it yes that is what i have you here for is the opinions i have lots of opinions i have okay lots of opinions well hit hit us with it so i mean you're coming in at the very end what what did you think about the series overall can i be honest yeah um i hated it i really did let me rephrase it did you dig it because that is our catchphrase and it sounds like the answer is no (sighs) I mean, what's like the little garden shovel that's like triangular and it's not like a full a size shovel. It's yes. A trowel. Yeah. I trowel it. Like okay. it's the smallest shovel that I can think. Of. Maybe like a sandbox shovel, like the little plastic yeah. ones. I'm an archaeologist. I love trowels. Trowels are great. I knew you would know what that is too. Mm-hmm. So it was just like some stuff was it like the general plot was exactly what I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. You know, like it is the first book. Just the, I don't know if it's the writing, because I don't think it's the acting. Like, granted that they're literally children, I don't think it's the acting. The casting was spot on for this I series, kind of agree. I yeah. yeah. Like, Poseidon and Percy, honestly, like his father and son, kind of killed that. Yeah. You know, like, I think the actors themselves are fine. It's just, do you know what I mean when I say Marvel humor? Like, you need the 
I, I'm guessing this like in jokes, basically. Like you have to understand kind of. the entire. Yeah. But I'm talking more like the, he's right behind me, isn't he? Like that, the whole series felt like that. Like mm-hmm. it was just kind of like a couple of things. I would just like make a face and I thought, oh, oh God, why'd you say that? That's fair. I mean, and that's what, right? It's made for a middle school audience. And this is something that like yeah. we had been talking about a lot is like, that is such an awkward age to write for because like you do you get you get personalities that are recognizable in adults but then you don't mm-hmm. get to like write them at a ma- with maturity in terms of like you know greek mythology is dark and mm-hmm. when you have it at you know high school or adult level those are to me the more interesting retellings because you can incorporate those really dark themes and explore some like the best and worst of humanity with it. But when yeah. you're trying to sanitize Greek mythology mm-hmm. for a middle school or younger audience, can't do it. It, it falls a lot more flat, right? Uh-huh. It, it, it's basic. Story. It's like me reading picture books to my t- like just over a year old nephew. It's like exactly he loves it. I don't want to read it for a fifth time in a row. No. But I thought that we should have been the target demographic of anything Percy Jackson that they were doing because, you know, like I feel like people our age would really get into it because it would create some kind of nostalgia and like they would want you to do something better than the first movie. But then they were like, oh, like these kids are 13, like that they cast. And I was thinking, why? I don't want to watch 13 year I'm here to break your heart. You are slowly (sighs) aging out of the demographic. I don't want that you. corporations care about. It's all about Gen Alpha now. I'm, I'm at the edge of it. It's terrible. Like they say 18 to 24 year olds. I'm three years to reaching the very end of it. Like I'm smack in the middle of it now. Yep. And I'm, I'm like, this sucks because I wanted good Percy Jackson things for me. But mm-hmm. then I get to like the Medusa thing, for example, and not that I want to see depictions of sexual violence, but I'm like, nothing? Well, and the so the other thing that was upsetting is in episode seven, Procrustes, the guy who does has the waterbeds and stuff, like that's also based mm-hmm. off a mythological figure. And he is like one of our first literary references to a serial killer who like cuts off the limbs or stretches out the bodies of individuals so they fit his beds perfectly. And in the book, he's originally beheaded. He's slain by the, the kids. Right. But in the in the show, they rewrote it. It's like, oh, that might be too much. We'll just trap mm-hmm. him in, in the sheets of his bed. And I'm like, why couldn't you do that with Medusa? Why couldn't you just have her be trapped in some way, in some clever way? And the kids escape that way. They're never going to. I feel like it's dif- for some reason, it's still different in. I'm going to say 2024, even though this was in 2023. It's still different in 2024 with female villains. And I don't know why. Yeah. It still is. And I mean, it's going to continue to be. I just don't get, I don't get why. Because I mean, like, it's fiction. You can rewrite anything that you want to rewrite. Yeah. Like, say that you don't like the original myth because you think it's, for one reason or another, like, offensive or um, just plain stupid. You just don't like it. You can do anything you want with it. Like, you people have creative writing degrees or something, some qualification to write this show. And you thought, okay, we can change this guy's fate, but we'll just keep Medusa's mostly the same. And But instead of Percy encouraging his mom to, I guess, ironically kill her abuser with Medusa's head, he's just going to accidentally find it in the mail. Yeah. 
after trying to go to his wife who's trying to divorce him's apartment and is like, oh, and she changed how the, to locks. Pick the locks. Yeah. Right. Right. And it's, it's played off as funny. That's not funny. I was just talking to my boyfriend about how uncomfortable I felt that they tried to make Gabe funny. I was like, I get that maybe it's not as apparent in the show as it is in the books. But like, he reminded me that when Percy comes back from camp, his mom has a black eye. Mm-hmm. Like that type of stuff sticks in the back of my mind. So when you're trying to make Gabe funny, I'm like, I don't want to laugh at him. Like I get that the actor's just doing what's written, but I'm like, I don't think any of this is funny. It might be funny to people who don't know, but it's not funny to me. I mean, that's just it. A lot of the male characters were sanitized, right? Poseidon a mm-hmm. little bit as well. And and then Athena was made even worse, is my understanding, than yes. from the books. So it's like, yes, they need a woman mm-hmm. there. The one line I, the one thing I did like is Annabeth was showing growth and understanding because I think in the episode with the water world where they meet Hephaestus in that trap, mm-hmm. like she no 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 sorry it's with echidna when they're at the arch and echidna is told her it's like oh you've um embarrassed your mother so now she's not going to help you and it's like Mm -hmm. well that's a one-to-one parallel for from the story medusa just told her and annabeth's starting to have an aha moment and realizing in the water world episode it's like maybe i don't want to like appease my mom maybe that's not worth it yeah and that's the only kind of payoff you get with the entire medusa storyline I mean, they do talk more about the fatal flaws in the show than they do in the books. Um, And like Annabeth's is hubris. Mm -hmm. So like maybe you can play off the fact that with Medusa, she was too proud to admit that like, hey, my mom's the bad guy. Yeah. I guess maybe they're trying to downplay or maybe have some more character growth in the shows, I guess, faster than they do in the books. So maybe her hubris is like being toned down a little bit sooner. Yeah. So we've been in this for a while and I I do need to like actually get us on just episode eight talking about what happened there. So a quick summary for whoever, for whatever reason, has not seen episode eight. We start off with the trio return to the mortal realm on the beach facing off against Ares and we have a flashback to Luke, Luke giving a lesson to Percy about how to deal with the gods. And so Percy sets terms and he's trying to complete a bunch of deals basically to just set everything right. He has the lightning bolt. He needs to get the helm of Hades in order so that Hades will let his mom go and life will be wonderful. Some very fancy swordplay. Percy succeeds and Ares is like, now you're an enemy for life. Congratulations. Here's the helmet. Helmet gets returned via Electo. And so Hannah's not here. But I have been saying, along with Medusa, the Furies aren't that monstrous either. They have pretty clear directions to just bring the trio to Hades because he wants his helm. And as we saw with Hades, he's pretty damn reasonable. So, like, I'm sorry. I don't find the Furies that monstrous at all so electo's like yeah i just i needed a helmet bye y'all so so helm goes back this was my job yeah this is this is what i was tasked to do not here to murder children despite what you might think and then they're like all right well quest over and it's like oh yeah Cronus is a problem maybe we should just email zeus about like this little issue and the person's like nah nah i got this we'll go talk to zeus It'll be fine. So here's a little bit of how that meetup goes. I have a war to prosecute now. So when I say you may go, it means 
be grateful, and it means be gone. But the war can't continue. Boy! You escape with your life. That is your prize. What did you think, that you and I would negotiate? I thought you might listen. Kronos wants you to fight my father. He wants you both weakened. I will not be weakened by my brothers. You already are. Your family is a mess. They don't support you because they love you. They obey because they're afraid. Ares, your son, he turned on you the moment someone stronger showed up. Do you really think he'll be the last? How afraid of you do you think they'll be when your dad shows up looking to put you back in your place? That, my friends, is the patriarchy at work. Dad rules through fear until someone stronger shows up to overthrow him. And everyone's just terrified. Probably his son. Probably the son. Because, obviously, a woman can't show up and do it. I thought that meeting was actually really cool. Of course, Poseidon comes in and submits to his brother and saves the day and assures Percy that he loves his mother dearly. Forget that he has a wife. Whatever. Don't worry about her. Fine. And enough of that is resolved. Poseidon has his bolt back. Percy goes back to Half-Blood Camp and we figure out who the betrayer is. It's Luke. Even I knew that. Some people were saying Grover, which I understand. After the interaction after the interaction with Ares, that kid's manipulative. You, you could see it a little bit. Like I could never accuse him. No. Just him from the books, I could never. If you knew him from the books, but if you only knew him from that interaction yeah. with Ares, you're like, maybe. Yeah. yeah. He could okay. totally pull it yeah, off. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. But like just knowing him from the books, even even in the movie, like he's just like a lovable, goofy goat thing. Yeah. Like that's literally his Satan. Yep. But, yep. you know, like he's just, he's like, I'm just a goat thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, he's, I just love him. He's just goofy. <laughs> He was less goofy in it. Yep. So so Luke runs off, be like, don't worry, boy, I'll come back and recruit you. We'll revisit that scene because it's kind of important. And then Percy's like, well, that was fun. Quest complete. I'm going home. Annabeth is going to Disney World. Grover is going to find Pan. And then we learn about the nightmares with Kronos and mom is back. Like, I, I do like Sally's return in this. Mm-hmm. And then end scene Gabe being accidentally turned into stone in the hallway who knows what becomes of him afterwards the end Mm -hmm. i hate gabe so much (laughs) Uh, as you should so not just the series but like this episode what did you think of the finale episode laura did you dig it um i dug it more than the series as a whole like if i were just taking the last episode as like in a vacuum Mm -hmm. i was like solid you know mostly i mean i thought that it stuck to the point that I wanted to see mm-hmm. more than I thought it was going to. I thought it was going to veer off in some artistic Hollywood direction. So I was glad that it really didn't. Because I was like, there's kind of some stuff we need to get to. Because I went into episode eight knowing what happens at the end of the first book. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I know what we got to get to. And if we don't get there, I'm going to be actually pretty upset. Yeah. But I thought that it stuck to what I thought it should stick to. Yeah. Pretty well. Like, it hit on all the main points. The meeting with Zeus. Love the, the how the Empire State Building is still the gateway to Olympus. Because I think that's so random and hilarious. And unfortunately, I don't know if you know this, the actor who played Zeus, excellently cast, uh, unfortunately passed away. So that is his only appearance as a I character. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Um, in terms of, I will say for this series, everything was cast really well. 
with the very obvious glaring exception of Lin-Manuel Miranda's Hermes, because that guy oh just... Oh, my God, I was waiting for that. <laughs> oh, my God, please. I'm a lover of Hamilton. I'm a lover of Moana. I'm a musical theater kid at heart. I can't do it. I really just can't be inundated with Lin-Manuel Miranda at every turn. He's like a lyrical genius. Yeah. Like, that man can sit down, write a song, and it's incredible. Gorgeous. Something about his voice. Like, he'll just pop up on screen. Like, the little arcade game, like Whack-A-Mole. Mm-hmm. He'll just pop up, and I could be, a, like, 10, 10 miles away, hear his voice, and, like, my the hairs on the back of my neck start standing <laughs> up. I love him so dearly, but I need him to stop popping up in strange places. Yeah. For my sanity's sake, I need it to stop. Yeah. And, like, Aries is played by a former wwe star like everything was cast so well but he's like but our boy lin-manuel miranda's got to be in it hermes hermes sure why not he's not even supposed to be at the casino anyway but let's just throw it in just let's just add it yeah he's fine he just pops up i think that's the problem it's like yeah okay hermes is annoying got it lin-manuel miranda can can do annoying okay he can play annoying. Don't put him where he doesn't need to be. Yeah. Okay? You want to put him in there as an annoying character? He does amazing as annoying. Don't put him in scenes where he's not supposed to be because I can't deal with it. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Oh, man. What did I like about this episode? The fight between Ares and Percy was fun, mostly because I really mm-hmm. do like that actor as Ares. I think he's just is perfect. Nailed it. So I wanted to ask, what is your thoughts about luke and how they ended up playing his character in the series and then this final episode but i was just wondering what you thought of how they portrayed him i actually didn't have none of my problems really lied with luke yeah i'm not gonna lie because i mean i feel like he um whoever the actor is i'm tar- i'm horrible with names i did look it up Same. even like characters names i'm horrible with but like the main people i know mm-hmm. but like i thought that they even his writing i thought was better than some of the other actors writing like i don't remember if the spider analogy came from the book mm-hmm. i don't remember it from the book but it could have come from the book but if they did write it about like you know annabeth is afraid of spiders yep. you know but the spiders tend she's 10 times bigger but she still kills the spider i was like damn, like, you're right. I was like, that was good. Mm-hmm. Where's that been? Mm-hmm. I was like, why did somebody else get that? Mm-hmm. But it was just the one line from Luke. But I really did think that he played the, no, I'm your friend, but all of a sudden I'm going to turn around and stab you in the back. But it's not that I want to kill you. So, like, I thought that they did a good job with, like, the complex relationship that maybe even, like, Luke has with Kronos. Because, yeah. like, he has a complex relationship with his parents, mm-hmm. thus giving way to his complex relationship with Kronos, which is one-sided. But it's maybe not that complex. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't want to kill. He doesn't want to kill Percy. Yep. He doesn't really want to kill anybody. He wants to kill the. He doesn't want the gods in the picture. Yeah. That's the thing. Yep. So I think that whoever that actor is and whoever wrote his stuff mm-hmm. finally did something right yeah. with these kids. I think he's older though. He is older. Like I, I think Luke as mm-hmm. a character is supposed to be closer to like sixteen to like the age when most demigods. Mm-hmm are killed at that point so yeah so yeah i my understanding again i only saw the film and it's like in the film it's like ain't nobody think it's grover that is the betrayer it's yeah. it's luke yeah 
Um, but this you always have a weird feeling about Luke in the movie. Yeah. It's always like that weird, mm, yeah, I don't know, versus kind of thing. Period. But it was really it would have been a surprise in the show. Yeah, if I didn't know. Yeah, they they play, and that's just it. It's like it. They did a much better job of setting up his motivations to be like mm-hmm. he is acting from a place where he actually feels what he's doing is is good, mm-hmm. and there's enough stuff happening in the you know with the gods and everything to be like yeah athena does suck like you know there's enough of that going on that it's like all of us can a little bit understand where luke is coming from you couldn't because you knew that clarice didn't steal the bolt you did you worked with Ares to plan it on me so when the shoes you gave me pulled me down into tartarus the bolt be delivered right to chronos i didn't think you'd give him the grover to wear i I am your friend, Percy. None of this was meant to betray you. The gods are my enemy. You. I'm here to recruit. There was a dramatic stare in that pause, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, But, like, it, it is interesting, too. Like, it does eventually, ironically, come off kind of culty, right? Like, I'm here to recruit mm-hmm. you. Yeah. But they kind mm-hmm. of, like, you know, that's how cults work. Like, a little bit. Yeah. A little yeah. Bit. And I, I like, too, that Karin ca- kind of calls it out is, like, you know, he expects Percy to, like, to kind of understand where Luke is coming from. But because the rhetoric is dangerous, it's not it's dangerous because yeah. it's not completely untrue. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's just it. It's like that's the most nuance. Right. Right there. What mm-hmm. Luke is putting down for middle schoolers. And it's like those are some really complex things to consider. But these yeah. other topics just be like, uh, no, probably shouldn't shouldn't talk about that. Let's not let's not touch on let's, those. Let's not. No. So yeah, I think they were successful with a lot of character storylines, um, Luke's mm-hmm. especially. And I feel like I'm interested to see where that one goes. Like I was like, yeah, I kind of want to see this dynamic now between Percy and Luke, who are agreeing on a lot of things, but they're just not agreeing on the methods of fixing the problem. Because he's a huge part of the books. <laughs> like he is the end of the books. Like, the end of the series, it ends with Luke. Yeah. So, like, if they did a bad job with Luke, I'd be like, just abandon ship now. Mm-hmm. Because you can't do the rest of the series if off the bat you mess up Luke. Yeah. Like, he's a huge... It is called Percy Jackson and the Olympians, but it should actually be, like, Percy Jackson, in parentheses, Luke, and everybody else. Yeah. Because that's pretty much what happens. And so um, I think the one other part I didn't like, and this is kind of going with the long-standing issue I have with Annabeth's storyline in the underworld, she gets trapped in the fields of Asphodel, right? Because she has some kind of regret, but it's not spoken what it is. And my co-host Hannah suggested that like she thought the regret was how she had treated Medusa by calling her out as a liar and then realizing that like maybe what Medusa said was true about her mother. And I'm like, okay, that would be a great interpretation. I'd be really down for that. It would show even further growth of that storyline through Annabeth, which I would appreciate. But my understanding from the books, the regret that Annabeth keeps kind of coming back to is running away from her family, Mm -hmm. right? And so she makes this decision at the end of this book to like go visit them. And they never actually, I think even by episode eight, they have not actually unpacked what Annabeth's regret was to get her trapped in the underworld. But because all of a sudden she is going back to see her family, that seems to suggest the latter of like what I was thinking, what my interpretation of that regret was, which again, just 
sinks the Medusa subplot so much. So I like Hannah's idea. Though. I do too. Like, that like, would be that awesome. Great. Right. And that would be so perfect. Like, why didn't you wait? Like, why didn't you do that? Like, you if you already screwed up the Medusa episode, all right, fine. You got one more chance to make it right. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Nothing. Not one there, thing. There's literally, yeah. yeah, it's like I almost would have been just indifferent overall to Medusa's storyline if they had not put in that end scene with Gabe and like the head mailed yeah. back. That pissed me off so bad. You guys effed this one up so bad. Because mm-hmm. my favorite thing was like Percy being a good son and like encouraging his mom. Not, I'm not saying like sons should like encourage their mother <laughs> to murder people, but I will say they should encourage their mothers to escape their abusers if they see that happening. Mm-hmm. Whether that be by one means or another, okay. But if you got the Medusa head, use it yep. on this guy. Yep. Because he is awful. Yeah. And what it does is it subverts, but also reinforce like domestic abuse stories more like often end in violence and death, right? Yep. Most often with the woman being the victim. Exactly. And, and she's usually the one that if it ends in death, she's usually one, the one that unfortunately ends up dead. Mm-hmm. So I prefer when it goes the other way. Yeah. And Percy encourages his mom to use the Medusa's head. It, it's so weird. Like the instances where Disney is like, oh, yeah, children slaying things. That's not problematic. And then it's like, then we get to Procrustes. Then we get to Gabe. And then we're like, wait a minute. We shouldn't be mm-hmm. encouraging the killing of men. They're like, well... Okay, you know, like killing women. All right, you know, it happens. She's a monster. Whatever. It just it drives me crazy, and I really can't tell you how angry it made it made me. Like the first joke that came out of Gabe's mouth, I was like, "That's not funny." I was like, "It's not funny because I want to like punch your head into a wall." Like I know who you are. Like I don't care if you're not that in this show. Like I know who you are, and you're disgusting. Mm -hmm. You're not funny. Mm -hmm. None of this is funny. Mm So I'm at the point now where it's like I want to give some background on Kronos because we kind of have learned that the big bad of the entire series, if this continues on and considering this has been the most successful thing Disney has put out in a while, it's going to go yeah. on, is yeah. Kronos. So I, I want to ask you, it's like, what do you know about Kronos from ancient sources? Um, and then can you tell me a little bit about how he's described in the books? So giving you double duties here if you mean um the percy jackson wikipedia page sure sure, sure. what you got what, what what's not wikipedia so much got? greek myth <laughs> but i mean i did i did know beforehand that he is i guess the most powerful titan i was gonna say one of that, that would be a fair assessment overall yeah okay that i would say that was my assessment but i'm also not an expert on the rest of them either so <laughs> can you name another titan i'm curious now no i can't of course I can't. What kind of a question is that? Atlas, the guy who holds up the world on oh, his shoulders. Then I, okay, then I do He's know that one. Prometheus, the guy who gets his liver. I knew that one yeah, too. there are titans. Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I should just go through all the Greek names I know and see, like, if Titan, yes or no. Yeah, it really is just like a generational thing too. Like, there's yeah, there's like the initial beings created out of chaos, and that like they're mm-hmm. the the parents of the titans is um, Gaia mm-hmm. and Oranos, the sky. Yes. And Oranos is your your first patriarch who's like, oh, I don't want to deal with pesky children. I'm just going to like impregnate you, but not let you give birth. And Gaia's like, yeah, no, I am not going to be perpetually pregnant. And so she's like, which one of you is brave enough to take this sickle and do something about your father? And Kronos raises his hands and is like, I got this, mom. And then he castrates his father. God, I mean, good for him. So that tells you good for him. every Freudian thing you should know about. 
Greek mythology. I did know that he was Father Time. Like Chronos, yep, Chronos time. Yeah, yep. that's all I knew about that. And that was because I know the Greek mm-hmm. or Latin. Mm-hmm. It's Greek. What is that word? Root. root. The root yep. word. Yep. Like chrono. Yep. Chronologically. Yeah, there you go. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's what I did know. So I guess that would be like an ancient source is that I knew like yep. Greek root words. Yeah. yeah. And um, obviously he's the father of the earlier lineage like the early olympians so um he has demeter hera hades poseidon zeus hestia good job. yes good job yeah excellent work you have asked me that question instead of the titans that's fair so he he decided to change tactics from his father how did he prevent an uprising of his children did he just kill his kids he ate them oh, so not surprised <laughs> What's with eating people in Greek mythology? You know what? Zeus does it too. That's how Athena was born from his head. Right. But he ate, oh my God. He ate his pregnant mistress. He's like, you know what? That I did not I'm remember. not going to let the child show up. I'll eat the pregnant woman with the child. And then the child will just perfectly spring forth from my head. I'm like, oh, look, I made a perfect child without a woman. <laughs> I'm amazing. Sometimes the Greeks really just popped off with their storytelling, they really did. didn't they? Like, I don't... I don't know. I mean, I guess that's what lack of technology does. Maybe the creative juices get well, flowing. It's interesting because, like, obviously, I tell these stories in a very, you know, singular way, right? But, like, these are yes. from various long different time periods. A lot of the stories, of yes. course, would have been just told orally. And it's very later that they're written mm-hmm. down. And then, like, then, of course, ones that are written down, only a few are selected to be copied over and over and over again so that we have it today. Right. So, like, it's a very selective process, and what has become more predominant throughout history is patriarchal institutions and other sorts of institutions mm-hmm. that are exploitive. So those are the mm-hmm. stories, the myths that most closely tie to those institutions are the ones that are most likely to be preserved. And it's interesting because yeah. you'll get some some remnants and myths that, like, don't actually make sense. So, for instance, Helen has two brothers, but whoever is her father is King Tyndarius, is king of uh, Sparta. And we would think in a patrilineal society that one of his two sons would inherit the throne, right? No. Mm-hmm. It's whoever marries Hera, not Hera, sorry, what Helen, sorry, it's Helen. Too many, too many words. Helen. A lot of ages. Yeah. Whoever marries Helen will be king. And that's, mm-hmm. that is an example of an earlier matrilineal descendancy. Right. But it's being preserved mm-hmm. in myth. And like the Greeks have to think it was like, why is that happening? Well, here, here's a little bit more detail on Kronos. You're right. He's the most powerful. He is considered the king of the Titans, um, the god of time, in particular time when viewed as a destructive, all devouring force. So Kronos is TikTok. I'm just going to sit with that one for a minute. You really should. <laughs> I will say that app is very appropriately <laughs> it is it absolutely is like i can feel the wrinkles on my face forming and the the interesting thing is that in some of our earliest written mythology from hesiod we learned that chronos actually ruled over the golden age of man when life was perfect and then zeus overthrows him and men slowly deteriorate and just it gets worse mm-hmm. over time I think it's really interesting because it does set up this dynamic of like, you know, the pillar of the community, the guy who's like, oh, he's like, he does so much for the people. But then he's like totally shitty to his family at home. 
right? That's Kronos. I feel like I've, I've listened to a lot of Snapped episodes on NBC mm-hmm. that end the same way. And it's like, no, he was a pastor and gave so much to charity. But then they found his wife in the backyard yeah. and his kids uh, hated him. One of my favorite podcasts, and that's why we drink, they like to use the phrase from pillar to killer. I'm going to start using that whenever I watch these episodes. Yep. I'm going to start using that because yep. it happens a lot. Yep. Yeah. And so <laughs> that, I mean, that's what's kind of interesting to think about, especially if we're like talking about cults and recruiting people to like Kronos' side, mm-hmm. because oh, yeah, a lot of what he says makes sense. I think there was even a reference in the show about like how he ruled over the golden age of like. I think Luke says that. Yeah. He's like, hey, I'll bring the golden age back yeah. or something. Which. Yeah is like interesting to think about in just in terms of like that's how these people come to power right they hearken back to a time mm-hmm. that supposedly sounds really good for most people and they kind of ignore the atrocious things that that person did in their personal life as well yeah. and so i think that's kind of an interesting characterization that they're doing with chronos Mm-hmm. Some other descriptions I have, Kronos, the god who devoured his own children, Poseidon representing the sea, Demeter, the earth, Hera, the air, and Hestia, heavenly fire. So he's almost, he's kind of, so everything came from chaos, but he's almost like a black mm-hmm. hole in and of himself, like he will consume all at the end. But what's really right. interesting is like, you know who loves him? The Romans. The Romans are like, Kronos is awesome, you guys. What are you talking about? Is he Saturn? He is Saturn, who is actually an agricultural god in uh, the Roman religious system. And so like the midwinter festival Saturnalia that we all celebrate as Christmas today, that's all for Kronos. And I think the reason that the Romans associated him with an agricultural god was because of his attribute in Greek mythology is the mm-hmm. sickle, right? The thing he used to castrate his father is like, no, 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 that's a farming implement. Obviously, he's awesome. Mm-hmm. And so you have two cultures having very two different kind of understandings of him. Mm-hmm. However, apparently in later interpretations of Greek belief, the idea is that Zeus actually frees his father in the Titans from Tartarus. And Kronos becomes the ruler. He's still in the underworld with Hades, and he's in charge of the Elysian Fields, which is the good place down in the underworld, which kind of, again, harkens back to that idea of like, hey, when I was in charge of things, it was the golden age. Everything was great. Right. So Kronos really goes through some interesting shifts in perception um, across time. I'd say so. Yeah. So I think the Titans as a class of entities is really interesting to study and especially in their relationships to the Olympians. So I think that's kind of cool to see what Percy Jackson is going to do with that because Mm -hmm. the Titanomachy is one of the biggest fights that takes place um, in Greek mythology. My one other question is like, so I think he's in dreams a lot of the time, right? Like that's something that goes on. Yes. That's kind of like his thing. And it's kind of supposed to be like, even from down in Tartarus, like he's still powerful enough to like invade everyone's dreams. Mm -hmm. Like he's up in people's heads somehow, even from like the depths of like digging to China Mm -hmm. down there in another realm, Mm -hmm. he can still reach into your mind and his powers of persuasion are supposed to be his most significant, like forget the time thing for a second. It's supposed to be like his powers of 
manipulation and he can literally make anyone do what he needs them to do. Yeah, which I feel like that's such a modern interpretation because the other place I've seen that is in the Webtoon series called Lore. Same idea. Kronos is trapped down in Tartarus, but he's slowly escaping through the dream of Persephone Mm -hmm. in this case. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm like, that is such an interesting interpretation and I have no idea where it comes from because there are actual Greek entities that have to do with dreaming and stuff. So like But not him. Yeah. I think they're tying it in also just like the inevitability of Kronos, right? Like Kronos is literally time. He's got nothing but time. So like inevitably it's all going to return to him at the end. Like I think that's just the nature of who he is. So Yeah. Can I spoil? Yeah. Oh we've been doing tons of spoilers on this. Okay. Very good. Okay. Like taking over Luke's body, you know, like there wasn't really another way to also explain, like, how would Luke have met Kronos to steal the bull? Yeah. Like, there's not a way for that to happen without Kronos having the ability to kind of enter minds and dreams mm-hmm. and subconsciouses. Mm-hmm. And the girl who was the spy, my boyfriend just told me her name, Selena. Um, but she was a spy for him. But I mean, it's also telling that he mostly he just invades like children's dreams Mm -hmm. it's a little creepy yeah the whole thing's about kids yeah so i mean cults in general are a little creepy in how they recruit so like so true (laughs) you know it was like that that just checks out no matter what so i have to like let that go by the wayside in order for everything to make sense so that is fair i just wanted to ask is like do you have any final thoughts about the episode or series that you want to share anything you didn't get to get off your chest yet I just hope I get movies. That's Before fair. Rick dies, I want movies for me. Yeah. But by the time that happens, I'll be 35. So I want movies for 35-year-olds that loved Percy Jackson 20 years ago. I just want movies. I want good movies. And I want all five. And I want, like, spot-on casting. And I want good writing. And I don't want stupid Marvel humor. And I want Gabe to die like he's supposed to die. No, that's fair. Okay? That's fair. That's all I want. Yeah. I have very few requests for you, Rick. Please. <laughs> Very few. I will say Rick seems pretty happy with what Disney has done so far. Yeah. But he's happy marketing to kids. I don't care about kids. Yeah. I say that as I'm a babysitter. <laughs> I care about kids that I that I tend to yeah. while being paid to hang out with them. Yeah. Because I do love them. Yes. But they don't want what I want. I want something different and I want something for me. I was just going to say for my, my thoughts, um, in my sense, it's like I think there's a lot of – the series has a lot of the right pieces – There's so much going, Mm -hmm. like the visuals, the casting, certain decisions and changes from the book, I think were well done. Mm -hmm. So like, it's definitely going in the right direction, but the season just doesn't quite get me there. And I think, you know, I've been told the books, they start to mature and, you know, the kids mature. So some of the content gets more mature. So I'm hoping that kind of happens. You know, I think it has the potential to be amazing if they allow for that growth and maturity to be added to the storyline. On the flip side, mm-hmm. because I know it's not just the five books, Rorden has written so many spinoffs and sequels yes. to that after seeing the success of this season, I'm afraid that Disney will turn it into its next big Marvel project. I'm I'm scared of that, too, because they did the same thing to Star Wars. They did the same thing to Marvel. I don't need it to keep happening to things that like start out either like amazing or even just I can see the promise and then they squash it mm-hmm. because money. Yeah. And I'm like, you have enough money. Yeah. You don't need to keep doing money grabs. Yep. You don't have to do it. Like you have theme parks, merchandise, shows, movies. Yep. You don't need to. Yep. Okay. Just chill out for like five seconds. Yep. And then of course I need Medusa to, I know she supposedly comes back. 
she better get vengeance. She better get the story she deserves, in my opinion. You are making a face, and I'm feeling like that one. I know she sides with Luke. I've been spoiled in that regard, and damn it. Yes. I need... You should read the books. I've been told. All of them. I, you know what? Go I looked for, them in, I looked for them in my local library when I took my nephew there. Nothing. Or, like, some of the books were there, but it wasn't, like, the first one to get me started. And I was like, I'm not going to start with book three. I don't know what... Oh, no, you on. have to start with the first one. Yeah, obviously. You have, there's a lot of introductory information in the first one that you need yeah. to, ma- to make sense of things. Yeah, yeah agreed. So. As with any series. So maybe. Okay. You keep me posted I will. That. I will. Okay. So here's my rewrite for Medusa's storyline. We Go for it. have a cutout moment where we assume that the trio have slain Medusa. But what they've really done is trapped her and escaped but we don't know that as the audience. But we later learn towards the very end in the finale that like they escaped and over the period of time, the kids are off doing things. Medusa has reflected on her actions and her misdirected anger at the children, at these outsiders. And it's like, you know what? I know who I'm really angry at and I need to go, I need to go check in on Sally, make sure she's okay in her relationship with Poseidon. And what you're dealing with this asshole let me take care of that for you. True. End series. And then she could still arguably like maybe come to a bad decision. It's like, I don't know. I, I kind of agree with Luke's side. So I'm going to go deal with that. And maybe you just persuade yeah. you have Sally working on her through the entire series. And eventually Medusa comes to the right side. Yeah. That's my rewrite. That could have been a great moment, especially with Sally. Because being that in the books, Sally is so far removed mm-hmm. from anything god related she's not the one in the books to tell percy that he's a demigod either like he wakes up at camp half-blood and then they're like hey do you know who your dad is no you don't it's poseidon um <laughs> but like in the show she's so into it she's like all right tell me what grandpa said yeah you're like don't call him grandpa <laughs> she's like that's not my father-in-law thank you very much and i'm like well kind of but mm, yeah all right yeah he's not wrong luke's not i mean luke. percy's not wrong yeah yeah Mm-hmm. I love Sally. I thought I thought they did her character a lot of justice. It was weird having her involved at first. That was the sense I got. Yeah. That's the sense I got from, like, book readers. But, like, I liked it right off the bat. I'm like, ooh, I'm yeah. going to like her. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. They could have just done more. I mean, but if they didn't play up the abuse, then there was nothing else to. Yeah, there's nothing else to do with her, right? She could have been punchy. Yeah. I would have wanted her punchy. Now she has to deal with some weird statue in front of her door about what an inconvenience that would be oh god that's terrible god damn damn for sally but she's fine yeah she'll be good she'll be good all right so special thanks to laura for joining us today stay tuned for our discussion of the series in its entirety with the whole mwd crew and let us know what you would like us to cover in future minisodes thank you also to our listeners if you want to learn more about us you can find us on most major streaming platforms as well as moviesweDig.com. please like review and subscribe if you like what you hear you can also follow us on instagram facebook and blue sky under some variation of the handle at movies we dig let us know what you think should have been included in the series that was left out and then we'll talk to you soon bye bye